Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Save by the Ball podcast, presented by Gold Lot Sports, your weekly source of Pittsburgh sports talk, opinion, speculation, and news that you expect at your weekend tailgate. This is our 22nd episode of Save by the Ball. Tonight we have Pittsburgh Steelers, yep. Pittsburgh Panthers, our weekly hypothetical, and I am here with my co-host Brian Torsha. Hey, how's it happening? It's happening. I don't know how about I don't know about you, but we're feeling 22. Why? 22nd episode. Oh, 22nd episode. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> I should have interjected earlier. That's on me. I was going to give you the pick. Do you want to start with Pittsburgh Steelers Week 1 or Pittsburgh Panthers Week 2? Um, We can start with Pitt Panthers Week 2. Because okay. it was farther away. We'll go chronologically. Alright, if I'm going to start, I would say at first... I was very disappointed when I was leaving the game because, of course, I sat through five, close to five hours of football. I felt kind of empty about it because I knew we could have won if Slovis was in the game. By this point, weirdly, I feel absolutely nothing about the game, and here's why. If we had lost to West Virginia and then you go on to win the ACC... Again, you have that blemish on your resume because it's a rivalry game. If we go on to win the ACC now, you're not even going to remember this Tennessee game, really, unless potentially it's keeping us out of a playoff spot, which I don't think will happen. This game, ultimately, at the time, I was very into rooting and rooting very hard because I was there. Ultimately, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I think that's why I feel similarly. But definitely at the time, walking out of the game, my head was down. I was devastated. Um, But you're right. In the long run, for the ACC, it ultimately means nothing. Of course you want to beat an SEC team. I think the first one that they've ever hosted there. Um, You want to beat them, especially when it's a ranked opponent. But in the long run, what does it really mean? Yeah, and ultimately we may have been in the top 10. And a top 10 ranking probably has eluded us for, I don't have the date of when the last it's time got to be a while. But, yeah, I mean, unless you sustain it the rest of the year and don't lose another game, rankings don't particularly matter when you're a program like Pitt. 
because you're just looking again to win the ACC and make one of the New Year's Six Bowls because the chances of squeaking into that top four probably aren't going to happen. Yeah. I think the part that hurt the most at the time is just how much in our grasp it was and knowing that if Slovis makes it through the whole game that we probably end up winning. That that was the yeah. most difficult part to swallow. And I'm fine with saying that. Now, you totally take out the human factor there and like the butterfly effect and things that happened. Obviously, did, yeah. Did the defense step up because they knew they had to? Was it like an honorable thing to pick up the offense because the quarterback was hurt and that's why the defense played the way they did? Potentially. And you, you have to factor all of that in. There is no definites. However, in my opinion, I think if Slovis plays the rest of that game, we win by 10 points. Yeah, I don't know if it's by 10, but you certainly feel like you come out with a win. And, again, that's why I felt so so down leaving the stadium. But similarly to you, we're recording this on Tuesday night, and I'm already looking the next week. Uh, A loss in the first game against West Virginia, as big of a rivalry as it was, and just the atmosphere in the stadium would have left me more crushed than this loss last week. Um, there were still good vibes there, but it was nothing quite like the home opener against West Virginia. Well, I mean, you see what the loss did to West Virginia. They're basically broken. (laughs) Neil Brown puts out this video after the pit loss that's like trying to keep the fan base on his side after a single loss. It was one of the saddest videos I've ever seen. And then they go and lose at home to Kansas. Yeah, it almost felt like the lead up to the pit game... Everyone loved them and thought they were the betting darling of the week and all of that because of how bad West Virginia was going to be coming into this year. And it almost seems like Pitt made them out to be better than they actually were. Now, that could be because of the rivalry and everything. Uh, But everyone loved JT Daniels after the Pitt game. And then they go and lose to Kansas and no one's talking about them anymore. So, and I bring that up because I do value the West Virginia win even over... You know, even without the rivalry, because it just, I think, put us on a more positive trajectory to start the year, of course. Ultimately, though, both of those games and this game with Western Michigan, unless you finish a season 11 and 1, 12 and 0, they ultimately do not matter because right. rankings only matter for the NCAA football playoffs. Ultimately, you're just trying to win your conference. Yeah, it, it would have definitely set a different tone if you start the season with a loss against your big rival. You know you have a tough Tennessee team waiting in the wings, and then you have to go to Western Michigan. Like, there's a chance that that sets up for 0-3, whereas with the win against West Virginia, it kind of takes some of the pressure off. Again, they all mean nothing, but, and we might get into this more, with West, this Western Michigan game scares me a little bit. I think well, I've said this before every pick game this year, though. But And we will. I, I think what's going to be frustrating for you know people listening is, I said last week, we're not going to take, I don't want to take anything from the West Virginia game because it was a rivalry game. I come out of this one not wanting to take anything either because we have no idea what the quarterback situation is moving forward for Pitt. I was told, and I haven't seen this confirmed or definitively said anywhere, but that Slovis got cleared. Oh, see, I didn't see that. I what haven't... I did see is originally a broken collarbone, but then it was reduced down to a concussion, and then I hadn't seen anything. So I haven't seen any fit thing officially, but I was told by someone that he got cleared. I don't know where they heard it, but 
I hope that's the case. Um, it would be unlike Narduzzi, though, to say kind of this early in the week unless... He didn't. He uh, yeah, said well, in his press then, conference he has no additional news. So I have no idea that. where that news is coming from. So this may look very different than what I'm saying come Saturday. But uh, I really hope that that is the case because there, there seems to be a cloud of mystery surrounding who would be the quarterback in this week, whether it's Slovis, Patty, or a third stringer who they don't really even know is an official third stringer yet. Yeah, so again, for me, it's hard to take anything going into week three. Uh, What I will take, though, is regardless of who the quarterback is, where was Abani Kanda against West Virginia? He had that big run. You didn't see him? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, but no, I'm joking because aside from that, if yeah, I was looking at the stats, and if you take away the big run, he was non-existent. Right. I think he got named like running back some some ACC award like running back of the week. And I just shook my head when I saw it because he had one big play, and aside from that, you might as well. No, I'm saying in Tennessee he did play a lot. Yeah. Oh, you mean the first week? He didn't win ACC running back of the week the first week. No, I'm talking this past week. Yeah, he was big this week. Yeah, but if you look at the numbers, aside from his one big run, his numbers were not good. Oh, let me see. Now I'm gonna have to pull it up. But I, what I was saying. So you're saying why from the why, I'm where was he the why first? Why did Hammond play the entire first week when Abanikanda came in and played? Well, Hammond didn't play game. against He's Tennessee. Injured. Yeah, so it kind of put the onus on Abanikanda to take over. All of the carries that Hammond would have got. Uh, let me see if I can find this. I'm also a little concerned about the wide receiver room because yeah. outside of Jared Wayne, no one has really shown the ability to step up, get open, uh, hold on to the ball. Bub Means had a couple good catches in the Tennessee game. However, he also had the fumble and the dropped potential touchdown in the West Virginia game. Yeah, that's the unit that scares me a little more. So, Abanacanda had 25 for 154. He had the touchdown run was 76 yards. So I think he had a pretty great game. So, it would have been 24 for, quick math here, 78. So, that's like three yards of carry, which is a little better than I thought. But it just felt like it was another game of me seeing just slow or short run after short run. Well, and I think relative to... How the offensive line is so, playing. I give a Bannicando a lot of credit. So that was going to be my follow-up, is it's probably more a product of the offensive line than him. Um, it is scary that what the offensive line has looked like for a team returning its entire unit from the previous year. Yeah, I mean, I think I might have mentioned this last week. I wasn't particularly excited when they announced that they were all returning because I did feel a lot of the offensive line was made or was made to look good by Kenny Pickett's quick decision-making and his mobility, a mobility that got him drafted by Mike Tomlin and the Steelers because Mike Tomlin was looking for a mobile quarterback. So we know Kenny Pickett was mobile. We know he makes quick decisions. We know he typically makes the right decision. And we're seeing what happens when you put a quarterback back there that potentially doesn't do all of those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was just thinking after seeing this box score, because you were talking about the receiving core, um, so Jared Wayne had 12 targets, Mumpfield had 12 targets, and Bud Means had eight. And then fourth after him was Bartholomew with six targets. And I feel like 
he's been their most effective pass catcher, and they aren't utilizing him as much as they should. I know he was a little banged up last game. I think he came out for a, a few plays, maybe a more more than that. It's so weird being at the game. I feel like I just miss stuff. I don't know well, how that yeah. happens. Obviously, what stands out is his hurdle over yeah, the defender. Yeah, so that's the big play with, besides the Abana Kander. We saw when Kroll was used last year how great it was to have a tight end in the offense, finally. They do need to use Bartholomew. Yeah, I feel like that kind kind of predicates the pit offense. It's just having that tight end over the middle, and it opens everything else up. Um, I know there's a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, so the passing game is going to look a little different, but I would like to see him utilized more, I guess, is my overall point here. Yeah, I mean, we're focusing on the offense because ultimately <clears> – <throat> All you can say about the defense is they're firing on all cylinders right now. I mean, to give up only three points in the second half to one of the best offenses in the country yeah. uh, really impressed me. Yeah, they um, they've really they really buckled down in the second half, and with Slovis being out, kind of kept the team in the game. I was again, I still the box score. But they only had three sacks. I feel like they haven't got as much pressure as we. I know he was Hooker's a running quarterback, but. I feel like they haven't got as much pressure in the first two games as we're accustomed to, and they're still um, being just as effective in, in giving the offense every opportunity to win the game. I do agree. It did seem like, though, and as you mentioned, with Hooker being the mobile quarterback, I think he got out of a lot of pressure last game. Yeah. It looked, there looked to be many near sacks that he got himself out of, which you know I still stand by that if Hooker plays that whole game last year against Pitt I don't know if Pitt comes out of it with a win yeah I don't think he does especially the way he played in the second half of that game he's way better than Joe Milton so and that's when they kind of took off and started to become the Tennessee that we're seeing today so you said you're nervous about this week I yeah and I know this it's like a broken record because I keep saying that but they're like right now I guess this is with the quarterback uncertainty. I saw they're about 11, 11 11.5-point favorites. Um, But Western Michigan beat us at home last year, and now they're hosting us, a ranked team. They're playing in the MAC. This is probably like their Super Bowl. It's going to be at night, 7.30 kickoff on ESPNU. This is going to be a huge game for them. And you don't like to say it's a trap game when you're a double-digit favorite. But if Slovis doesn't play... There, there's a lot of question marks for me heading into this one. Yeah, now those are all the intangibles you're talking about, like you know, going on the road, prime time at night right. against it, the probably going to be a great crowd. But objectively, Pitt's the better football team. Yeah, they should win. And I guess that I'm, I'm. This is coming from a place of me just like always being hesitant when Pitt starts to get good. And remember, if you remember, the reason. We lost last week or last year is because of all the quick slant passes yeah. against Western Michigan. What I did notice against Tennessee, and I was paying a lot more attention to the defense. One, just because they were playing extremely well, and I wanted to see what they were doing. But B, with Tennessee running that no huddle offense, I was really focusing on how Pitt adjusted to that, where the guys were. Even if a receiver was not on that side of the field, they kept a linebacker or cornerback on that side to guard the quick slant. Yeah. So I do think if they run a similar defense that they did against Tennessee against Western Michigan, from what I remember about Western Michigan last year, they already have a defensive, you know, a defensive strategy set up to stop that. Well. To go off that point, I think you will see it because Narduzzi doesn't really like to change up his defense. It's kind of been the same since he got here. Uh, The one thing, it seemed 
they were playing the corners on on the outside very tight, and then the third receiver in the in the slot, they were playing off, and they had not a slant over the middle, but the outside route was open for like seven yards every single time. And if Western Michigan wanted to do that, it seemed like Tennessee gave them the recipe because they were way too susceptible to that kind of play. Yeah, you do wonder, though, <clears throat> if the pre- the similar pressure we were getting on Hendon Hooker, he still needed to make the throws. Right. You wonder if quarterback at Western Michigan is going to do make those types of True. Throws. And it, it does seem like it's more of a bend-but-don't-break style defense than give up the big yeah. play. Um, it would also be nice to see them jump one of those quick outs. Yeah, well, they're playing so far off it. I, I wish they would as well, but... Yeah, again, and I'm not sure what Western Michigan's roster looks like. It could be very different from last year. I'm pretty sure their quarterback was pretty good or solid. They may have had a good receiver that went into the NFL. So it may not be the same style of offense because I'm pretty sure there was a ton of points scored last year in Uh, that game. I'm not concerned for a similar intangible. They're not going to surprise us this time. Right. So if we were caught by surprise last year, which I think we were, you we're not going to be caught by surprise this year because you have the loss from last year. Right. You know, you're not saying this is a cupcake team. We're going on the road to pick up a win before the ACC schedule starts. Well, Rogue Island, but yeah. that is a cupcake game. Yeah. But you're not thinking of it anymore as an automatic win because you have the loss from last year. And potentially the loss from last year helps them in winning this year because they're more ready. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I guess my main... Where all of this comes from is whoever the quarterback is. Because if if we're going with Patty or the third string, it could it could make things real interesting. So now I saw a high ankle sprain for Patty. So if that's the case, and Slovis had a concussion, and Slovis does clear protocol, you know I think that what seemed like a more serious injury for Slovis at the time, I think the high ankle sprain is much more of a serious injury. Yeah, if it's not a very severe concussion, I would think Patty will be out longer than Slovis is. I I just I guess I would like to see that they have a third string quarterback in place because they're they talking do. about that Kyler yeah, from Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. But I was seeing stuff today that he I don't know if this is Narduzzi, I don't know what the situation is exactly, but they won't commit to a definitive third stringer being set behind both of them unless that's something they're just waiting on or i know narduzzi likes to play coy with the media kind of like tomlin has been i mean he said he has no news right or updates on the i just meant he said he has no knowledge i just meant of the third uh, of the guy who would play if neither of them could go yeah yeah it doesn't seem to be set and i i think potentially that's why the the point spreads the way it is i think if slovis was set as a starter it'd be higher you know, 13 and a half, maybe. Yeah, it, it might even be higher than that if he's able to go. So, I, I'm not worried. You're worried. I'm not super worried. There's just a, a tinge of worrisome in hanging in the back of my head. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So then we'll jump into week one of the NFL. Week one. What a doozy of a game that was the other day. What a doozy of a week. Yeah. It was. It kind of got capped off with... Two bad games on Sunday night and Monday night. But overall, it was a very exciting week of football. So I took the strategy of betting every single underdog money line. Mm -hmm. It paid off very, very, very well. Everyone has always said that the week to bet underdogs is week one. They're always live because what the lines are based on is just pure assumptions and off-season moves. And you have so much time to game plan that anything can really happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think in Week 7 the Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith are beating the Denver Broncos. I completely Wilson. agree. I also saw a stat which was interesting. I think uh, Booger McFarlane put this up from ESPN. Um, of the 11 teams that didn't play, their, I think it was the starting quarterback in the preseason at all, they went 3-8 and eight in Week mm. 1. So there's something to be said for having a little bit of rust. Burrow was one of them. That's also a good thing to remember for betting week yeah. one next year. Yeah, if it, we'll see if as many teams do it again. Uh, I know Burrow had a, an appendectomy, so he was held out for injury purposes, but he falls into one of the eight losses. Yeah, I mean, we we'll, we can jump into it. Four turnovers for him? Five, five four turnovers, picks. Four picks and a fumble. I don't know. The ball never hit the ground. I don't know how those fumbles are recorded or if they're interceptions or not. But, yeah, four four definitive interceptions and that one that was caught that was a fumble. Strip sack. And, you know, you talk about the stat of them not playing and potentially it being rust, but you got to credit the Pittsburgh defense for most all, of that. I, just about all of the credit should go to the defense for that game. The performance that they put up. Scoring the first touchdown off an interception. Uh, they had a ton of sacks. Watt and Highsmith and even Hayward were in Burrow's face all game. And then Fitzpatrick. I know that's technically special teams, but the, the blocked extra point to send it into overtime. Just a lot of factors on the non-offensive side of the ball that really got them to W. Yeah, even a guy you know like Devin Bush yeah. didn't do anything wrong which is good for him after how last year went. Yeah, sometimes no press is good press. But, yeah, Alex Highsmith with three sacks. Um, the, the defense was just, it was otherworldly. I mean, you're going, up one of the, you're going up against one of the best offenses from last year, probably the best receiving core, if not one of them, especially yeah. now that Kansas City no longer has Tyreek Hill. Yeah. So maybe the best receiving core with one of the best quarterbacks mm-hmm. from last year, with what was supposed to be an improved offensive line. So that's the comment I was just going to make, is everyone was raving about this new offensive line, new and improved that they had going into this season. And, I mean, it's a tribute to the Steelers' defense, but maybe they aren't that good, or maybe the Steelers' defensive line is just that good, but they made them look not very improved. Yeah, and I know you lose T.J. Watt, 
And obviously, it's a huge deal. The news came out today that it's only going to be about six weeks. Yeah. Uh, I think they give them the seventh week, and then they go into the bye. That would be the smart thing to do. Um, but, and yeah, I don't want to minimize what a TJ Watt does to a team, but you shut down the best offense, one of the best offenses in the league with them. Maybe without them, you can shut down some of the lower-level offenses in the league, like a New England Patriots without Mac Jones. Yeah, I'm, it seems like his status is up in the air that they're leaning towards he won't play, but I agree. T.J. Watt is a, com- a complete difference maker. There's no doubt about it. He won Defensive Player of the Year without playing a whole season for a reason. But the, uh, they have a bunch of other pieces that are very competent in sustaining the level that we've seen out of them. As I mentioned, Cam Hayward... Mega Fitzpatrick, Alex Highsmith has had three sacks on the other side of Watt. You mentioned Devin Bush. There's Miles Jack in the middle. They have pieces there that that can prop this defense up in the time until Watt's back. Say the Steelers had shut down the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, the only team to not have a touchdown. I yeah. think all weekend, or you know, say they had shut down the Jaguars, or I could name a bunch of lower level offensive teams. Mm-hmm. Then you say, okay, sure, they had a great defensive game, but now without T.J. Watt, where do you go from there? They shut down potentially the best offense in the league outside of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. And, yes, losing T.J. Watt will be a detriment, but other than when they play Buffalo, how many offenses are they really going to play in that seven-game stretch? So that's what I was just looking up, is I know they start with a pretty tough schedule. So let's say Watt is out until the bye week. And let's look at it solely from a our defense versus their offense perspective. Okay. Because I don't want to do a yeah, whole Yeah, we're not doing the whole game here. I was just going to say the offenses we're facing. We New England. Potentially without Mac Jones. Cleveland. Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, and they looked good against the Panthers, but most people. Didn't. I wouldn't even say they looked all that great. The Jets, which are is Wilson, is probably out for. I think they say at least four weeks, so that's going to be a Joe Flacco game. And they put up what nine points this week. Yeah, so then the next stretch is Buffalo. Probably definitely a loss. Yeah, and even with T.J. Watt, <laughs> that's in Buffalo, and then we have uh, the goat Tom Brady. Hmm. Uh, and then there's two more games until the bye. They are Miami which has Tyreek Hill, but Tua, who knows what kind of Tua we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll feel, see we'll by then. We'll wait to see how that offense And then goes. the last one is the in-state rivalry against the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, who he, he's going to kill you more with his legs than his arm. Yeah, and they, they have a tough receiving core as well. Right. So, but I guess my point, you know, we're not now missing T.J. Watt against all of the best offenses in the league. Some of them. Yeah. Um. So well, you're bound you, to face some. You are going to have to see a little more out of your offense than what you did week one. Um, but ultimately, if you're going to lose T.J. Watt, there are some games in that stretch I'd rather lose him against than potentially other games. And what was that one division game? Uh, yeah, just Cleveland. That's important as well. Yeah, you're only missing T.J. Watt now for one. And you squeaked out a win in the first one that he missed half of the game. So that I. I I wouldn't have been upset with a tie, but to come out of that game, given everything that happened with a win, I think speaks volumes to the momentum that this team now has. Um, because it is it is a very good offense in your division, and you on the road, and you were able to get a win. Now, you know, everyone's going to be talking about the defense. Yeah. 
Let's move to the offense. Okay. What I, I saw a lot on social media about maybe Najee Harris just isn't that good. Huh? So, are, are you starting to get concerned at all about Najee Harris? Hold on. Uh, for Najee, I don't want to press the panic button just yet. I think the offensive line still not being great could be a large contribution to what we're seeing out of him. And we know he's dealing with this nagging Liz Frank injury, and we saw, I don't know if it was the same injury that flared back up or re-injured or if it was completely different, but... You kind of run him into the ground last year with no true backup. Now he's playing a little injured. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to hit the panic button, but we can talk about how potentially he's not good behind this offensive line. This is the offensive line we have. I I understand that. So you almost, as a first-round draft pick, if you're going to warrant a first-round draft pick, you have to be good independent of the players around you. Kind of, maybe I, or no? Is that guy a line? I don't think it's out of line. You still have to be good, but I think there's something to be said for a team willing to spend a first round draft pick on a running back when they don't have a true offensive line in place, and then not really putting the money or the resources into building it up around you. This is kind yeah. of what we saw. Uh, I know he went off last week, and he's been the talk of the town. But Saquon Barkley for the Giants. Had a really good week, but the first, I don't know what year he's in, maybe four, we'll say? I think he's in week four, yeah. Okay, and so the first three years, he was kind of in a similar situation. Now, he was the second overall pick, but everyone's talked about the talent he had, how good of a running back he was, and he could be, but playing on the Giants with not a great offensive line, he got lost, he got injured, and you know, no one was really talking about him until coming into this year when the Giants had kind of beefed up their line a little bit, and then we saw in week one what he was capable of. I'm not saying he's the same style of running back as Najee, but I think it's a situation that you can kind of mirror to what we're seeing here. So then maybe I need to figure out how to word this, but you know, people talk about Najee being the wrong pick, and I think when some see that, Najee defenders, they see it as people are being Najee haters. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think you can believe it was the wrong pick while still thinking Najee's a good player for two reasons. You could be someone who just never thinks you should take a running back in the first round, which there's credence to that. It's You see Ezekiel Elliott now. It's just a very short career for running backs. Or two, if you are not going to put resources then into your offensive line, it's never a good idea to take a running back in the first round. Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of both, but I definitely want to touch on the first one is with how much teams throw in today's NFL, you're seeing teams get away with running back by committees by three, four guys sometimes, and none of them are high draft picks, if draft picks at all. Some of them are unsigned un, or undrafted guys that you can just plug in on certain downs in certain situations, and it works. And that's why you're not seeing running backs getting taken nearly as early as they once were or held to as high of a standard on an offense as they once were because it's a throwing league now. So the Steelers drafting Najee was, is kind of an outlier in today's game. It's almost like in today's NFL, if Barry Sanders hit the board, you still might be on the side of, don't take him in the first round. Not because 
Barry Sanders isn't one of the greatest running backs to ever live and might even be still be able to take the field at his age and run the ball in the NFL. It's because in today's NFL, they don't last that long because guys just hit a yeah. lot harder and you pass a lot more. Yeah, and I, that's another good point is the lifespan on running backs, I believe, is around three years nowadays. So to spend that much uh, draft capital on one just doesn't make sense for the long-term outlook of a team. And I just I do agree that you can think Najee was the wrong pick, but that does not mean you're anti-Najee. You can still think he's a fine player. It just may not have made sense for the Steelers at the time, given all the other concerns that they had. Yeah, I don't know if people are able to word that correctly because Twitter has a character, Max. Yeah. And to properly explain why you think Najee Harris was the wrong pick while still being a good player, it's difficult to do so in, what, 280 characters or whatever it is. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we've just spent how many minutes trying to explain? I can't imagine trying to do it in one tweet. Where, you know, you go with quarterback and... You know, you might think Brady's an anomaly, but even guys like Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, all these guys are playing deep into their 30s. Yeah, and that's that's why running backs, you can't, if we're going with the average of three years, you're going to say a top one lasts a little bit longer than that, but you can get a quarterback that's going to last a, a decade plus in the league for the same draft spot that you're drafting a running back who only has half of that or less. And especially in the Steelers situation, behind a line that really isn't set up to handle the production that they want to see out of him. Right. You can argue even beyond the Harris, you know, or even beyond the running back shelf life is unless the team is committed to then the other aspects of the run game, there's no reason to waste the first round draft pick on a running back unless you're willing to make that commitment really for the next two, three years. And that is offensive line. Yeah, and I'm not even saying that the Steelers had to address that last year when they drafted him, but I know they signed some guys in the offseason, but you want to see them take a major step toward protecting Najee if you're going to use a first-round draft pick on him and think he can be a workhorse in this league with the amount of carries that they intend on giving him. And I know we had other uh, areas to address in the draft, too, but... I can see why people think it was the wrong pick. And speaking of areas to address in the draft, second-round draft pick George Pickens, who was the talk of the nation in spring training, do you have any particular idea what happened to him? No. Um, So I was just pulling up some stats about um, routes run uh, this past week. So... Trubisky dropped back 41 times in the game. Pickens ran a route on 39 of them. He was out there. He only had three targets. So it went Johnson and Claypool both had 40 routes run on those 41 dropbacks. Pickens 39, Fryermuth 33, Boykin 8, Gunner 2. So really, this offense is going to be predicated on three receivers and a tight end. Mm. And, and the other two showed up. I mean, Deontay Johnson had one of the best catches in the history of the Steelers, but also Chase Claypool, who was absent for the preseason, looked very, very, probably the best he's looked in quite a while. Yeah. I know you started this with Pickens, but I, I, a major talking point I wanted to mention was Deontay Johnson. I, I Obviously, he had the amazing catch you're seeing all over Twitter, 
But, so in these 41 dropbacks, I believe Trubisky attempted 38 passes. Johnson had 12 targets. That's almost a third. So as much love as Pickens was getting in the preseason, Johnson is going to be Trubisky's guy. And that's good to see for a quarterback just starting with the, the rapport with the number one receiver that you want right out of the gate. And I think with how much attention Pickens has gotten, that Johnson has kind of gotten overlooked. I've kind of loved him in my fantasy drafts. I tried to get as much of him as I could. And, I mean, almost a 33% target share is kind of insane in one week. It also just shows how clueless some people are. Because any, you know, there was potential that it looked like Deontay Johnson might hold out, or he even kind of was. Uh, He was practicing on the side in preseason, not fully participating with the team. And people were saying he doesn't deserve top wide receiver money. He 100% is up there with all of the top receivers. He's not a Justin Jefferson, but nobody is. But he is a top receiver on one of the top teams in the league. I I still deem the Steelers a playoff team until proven otherwise. So he is is the top receiver on one of the top teams in the league. Yeah, I don't think he's that top tier with Jefferson, uh, Cooper Cup, and Chase. Yeah, but I would say he's on the second tier. He just doesn't get nearly as much love as those other guys. And, I mean, that catch he made in overtime was incredible. And half of the reason why they got to get in field goal range. And, and he, he was one of Ben Roethlisberger's favorite receivers, right. too. And that means something. When a Hall of Fame quarterback is targeting you that much, it means something. Yeah, and th- that's why people want to see... People want to put so much into production. But I think just seeing the target share is huge because... Trubisky clearly has faith in him right out of the gate, and that's something you definitely want to see with a new quarterback. I mean, it's not like the production wasn't there last year. No. I mean, I I had him in fantasy football last year. I know he was putting up numbers. Yeah, I mean, with the short passes that the offense had last year, he was getting a million catches, and the yardage might not have been there, but if Roethlisberger's going to look at him all the time on those types of plays, why can't Trubisky? The offense is going to evolve. But the, those short routes are still going to be there. So ultimately, what do we think about Trubisky? The big question that came into the season. The big question that has haunted the Steelers for like three straight years. I was not... I wasn't overly excited with the offense I saw, but I wasn't disappointed either. I, I fell right in the middle. I wish they would have scored more. It wasn't great at times. But it was also week one against a tough team on the road. So I don't, I don't know how much we can completely take away. I'd like to see a bigger sample size. Um, not being able to run the ball has not helped. But I think against some of these lesser teams, he's going to be more than, more than competent. Yeah, and I, I think what helps me recognize how good defenders are in the NFL is having college football at the same time. So... You don't often watch a baseball, you know, a major league baseball game right after watching a minor league baseball game. We're set up for watching essentially minor league football on Saturdays, going right into professional football on Sundays. And what really stood out to me, maybe more than ever, is the clean defensive pass defender, passes defended by cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, In college, I think you're either seeing an overthrow or you're seeing uh, defensive pass interference. You're very rarely seeing passes defended cleanly in college because the wide receivers are so good and the cornerbacks are 
average. Yeah, it's almost it, two different In the games. NFL, I can't believe how good the cornerbacks are. I mean, it blew me away this past weekend. Um, and it, you know, saying that, in college, maybe you get away with passing when you can't run the ball. In the NFL, if you can't run the ball and they're able to put more resources into the pass defense, it's done. You you will not be successful that way. Yeah. In, the, in college, you're going to get a lot of guys open either on blown coverages or just the scheme of the play, the way the plays are set up because there's miscommunications. Guys aren't really sure where to go. In the NFL, you're actually going to have to beat defenses. And there were a couple of drives where the Steelers, where Trubisky did that. I mean, in overtime, they moved the ball down the field. They didn't really score too much in the second half, but there were glimpses where I was like, you know what? I like what I'm seeing. This is sustainable for the rest of the year. Um, now that wasn't every drive again, but those are going to be the growing pains that you have with a fairly new offense all around. But yeah, all that I talk about college, just to say, if you can't run the ball in the NFL, it also makes it very difficult to pass the ball. Yeah. When you can't run teams know what you're going to do. And when teams defenses know what you're going to do, it makes life way more difficult, especially in the NFL, especially in the NFL. You have the 11 best players, defensive players on that team. Yeah. You know, 30 times 11. You have a top 300 defensive player in the world yeah. playing football for that team. And that's why they always say that when you look around the league, there's only about 10 quarterbacks. So you'd be like, oh, they can win a Super Bowl. The NFL is a tough place to play. Not everyone can do it, and there's a select number. And Trubisky's not one of those top 10, but I I was very fine with what I saw. And uh, there were reports coming out before the game that Tomlin had said that he's going to be the quarterback the whole year. I did see that. Um I'm not upset about that. I don't mind Pickett learning for a little bit. If if they're out of it towards the end of the year and they're playing a bad team, I'm sure that will change, and i am be fine seeing Pickett in there. But right now, Trubisky is the guy I think I want to see. There's no reason to throw Pickett into the fire. Now, exactly what I said about Najee, I can apply to Mitch. I said, you know, if that's the hand you're dealt, you have to be a good running back if that's the line you're going to be behind all year. Trubisky is the quarterback behind this line, behind this, you know, alongside this running game. He's going to have to get it done yeah. because it's not going to get any better. Yeah, he, and that's part of the offensive scheming too. Is you're, they tried doing it with Ben last year and it didn't work. You're just going to have to find ways to beat defenses given the parts that you already are given and. That, that's going to be part of the growing pains that we're going to see, I'm sure. But, yeah, it's going to be difficult for me all year. Like you said, you're not upset about Trubisky being in. If it wasn't Kenny Pickett as the backup, I wouldn't care if Trubisky played the next six years. I don't think a lot of people. Uh, you still want to see the guy you're taking in the first round be ready, but that doesn't have to be year one. But I think a lot of Pittsburgh is upset about it because it is Kenny Pickett. I'm where, extremely biased. Yeah, where if it was Malik Willis, would we be saying the same thing? Or Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I'm going to say probably guys. not. No, I would agree. So ultimately, going into New England, at home, how do you feel? I feel good based on what I saw out in New England last week and what I saw out of the Steelers last week, mainly their defense. Uh Mac Jones is banged up. New England looks not to be the Patriots we're accustomed to seeing. So playing at home, first game in front of the fans, 
Obviously, no TJ Watt. Hopefully, Najee's playing. I think this should be a Steelers win. However, the Patriots, I believe, are currently favored. Yeah, I have a conference, or I was on a conference call today, and it was from a vendor in Boston. And he said, yeah, I mean, I was just talking to my son, and I said, you know, we have to realize that potentially the Patriots are an average team now. And I wanted to speak up and say, no, I think the Patriots are a bad team now. Yeah, they're. I, I don't think they're an average team anymore. They have All they have going for them is they have the best coach in the league. But their offense, to quote Dennis Eckersley, is a hodgepodge of nothingness. It, they're definitely trending that way, which is weird to see them a one-point favorite on the road after a they scored one touchdown last week. Uh, so it is odd to see that. Whereas I probably should be nervous, more nervous with this game than I am the pick game. I feel better about this. Now, it, is that one of those fishy lines it, that says probably. the Patriots are the favorite? You're probably going to lean towards taking it? Uh, I Normally I would. I don't like to do it with Pittsburgh teams. Um, and week two is always a big overreaction week two. Um, so you would think the Steelers should be favored because they won and the Patriots look pretty bad. But there's probably so much that goes into that with the Belichick factor. Yeah, but ultimately, I think the Patriots are trending in the direction of being a bad team. And if they didn't have Bill Belichick, they would be talked about as one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, I didn't see too much of that game because the big joke going around is even on NFL Red Zone, they just never showed it because of how bad the Patriots were playing. So I didn't see much of it myself, but from everything I read in the box scores, it didn't seem great. So you would think that that is going to be the case. And in a game now that we just spoke about where it's all about passing, it's all about the quarterback, I think Mac Jones is a bottom 10 quarterback in the league. Yeah, I'd have to go through the list, but he... He's shown bright spots last year, but overall, he, he doesn't have a great track record going for him. And he doesn't have, like, I even think Lawrence had one big game last year. Mac Jones does not even have that one big game. That no. He's had on. And where the Steelers have been so good at drafting receivers over the years, the Patriots are known for being just about the complete opposite. They just really have nobody to throw the ball to. I think they picked up Devontae Parker from the Dolphins. That's probably the only receiver on their team I can name off the top of my head. I'd love to start naming the guys on their offense, but that's how much of a hodgepodge of nothingness they are. They have Mac Jones and their two running backs are Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. That's really all I know about their offense. It also has to be killing Belichick because while some of those Patriot teams did win because of the defense – the timing of Brady leaving, winning a championship, and then the Patriots slipping like they are uh, makes it appear as if it was only Tom Brady that caused the Patriots to be good for that long. Brady's winning the argument for sure about who who won and why. and Optically. I mean, if you dug into it, you know there are two or three Super yeah. Bowls that were because of the defense. Right. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when they won the Super Bowl, had one of the best defenses in the league. That's why they won, is how they got to Mahomes. Um, but it, it's optically, an optics league. Yeah, you know, Brady leaves, wins the Super Bowl, Belichick is trending in the wrong direction. Yeah. I hope this is actually the case. I need to see the Patriots at the bottom of the league for a little bit. They've been towards the top for way too long. And that's one thing about the Steelers. I never see them falling to that level ever i hope not i mean i'm sitting here with my fingers crossed after he said that knock on wood i mean i know it's difficult to imagine them winning 
games without T.J. Watt and behind this offensive line, but they did. Uh, you know, they now Watt was in for, you know, obviously making impact on that game, but they beat a division rival coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, and I'm glad we got to talk about the offense a little bit and even the defense because I was excited about the win, but all you've heard about and seen on Twitter and the media is what's up with TJ Watt? What's the prognosis? How long is he out? It completely overshadowed everything that happened in the game. I won't take the Patriots line because I've learned already this year I have to stop betting Pittsburgh sports. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm 0-1-1 on pick games. I didn't have anything in the Steelers game. I, I'm, I never have bet on my home teams because I'm already invested for them winning, and I would never bet against them. So... It, it just there's already too much on the line. I don't need to add something else. I'm getting crushed this year in bets, but I uh, aside from begging all the underdogs, um, it was I, a weird week one. I really like the board this week in college. So I haven't. I looked at it very minimally. There's some weird lines out there. I'll give it I to think you. Nebraska's favored. No, they're underdogs. Ah, okay, they're not by much. Ten. They oh, yeah. Okay. Well, people love them. It's like the new coach effect. I'll give a teaser for one. There's, there's a Washington is playing at home. They're unranked. They're three point favorite against, I think it is Baylor. Um, I'll look it up right now. Baylor's like number ten in the country. Yeah, I saw that as well. So that's why those fishy lines. That, you like that to I already took it. You took Washington. Yeah, I already took it at three. Let me see. I'm gonna pull it up right now. There was another fishy. Oh, line. sorry. I not Baylor. It is a green team though. Washington is 2-0 and at home. The line's starting to move towards 3.5 against number 11, Michigan State. Unranked. They're unranked at home, a three-point favorite against number 11 team in so the country. So you're right. Nebraska is the underdog, but they're only 11.5-point dogs to Oklahoma. Yeah. Coming and, off a horrible... And that line opened at 14. Like People love Nebraska this week, and all you've heard about is how horrible they looked. Obviously, they got rid of Scott Frost, but it's one of those weird things where... Is it an overreaction? Was it Scott Frost? Are they going to play better under a new coach? There's some fishy lines out there this week, and we mentioned one in the NFL with the Steelers. So keep your eyes open. Yeah, all that to say I'm not begging any more Pittsburgh team this year. Yeah. I can't. Well, I'm getting emotional. I can't say that definitively, but I'm going to do my best to stick, stay away from it. Any final <clears throat> thoughts on week one or going into week two? Or on football in general, because we're going to move on to the weekly hypothetical. Uh, football in general, it was a good week one. Again, Sunday night, not great. Monday night, not great. Uh, those games kind of ruined what was a very good Sunday of football. But I'm happy it's back. I saw some exciting games. I'm glad the Steelers got a win. It gets so cyclical. It's, you know, sad. well, let's start with... Um, Tuesday. Tuesday, you're putting waiver claims in in fantasy yeah. football. Wednesday, you're waking up to see if you got your waiver guys. Right. And setting your lineup. Thursday, there's football. Friday, you typically can find some college football. Saturday, college football. Sunday, NFL. Monday night, football. And repeat. Repeat. Yeah. Like it, it, it just gets so cyclical, and the weeks go so fast in the fall because of that. Yeah. And even on Wednesday, Wednesday's when I really start to look at the board, too, because, like you said, you got past. Once the waiver claims 
hit, it's like, oh, that week is officially over. So let's start the new one. So Wednesday is like, tomorrow will be the beginning of week two for me. Yeah, so it just gets so cyclical. The fall flies by, but in such a good way. I yeah, think. everyone complains about those Thursday games, too. I'm, I'm sure, like, if I was... Chargers I, Chiefs this week. I'm sure if I was a player, I'd complain. And when it's Jacksonville, Tennessee, in, like, week eight or whatever, there's always one of those games. I'm still going to watch. But it... You need it after a whole weekend of football to go. If you had to wait till Sunday again, yeah. it would be impossible. Right. So, I agree. Although we are going to have to watch it on Amazon Prime now. Yeah, you don't need it. I don't. You don't need a subscription. I think you just. Oh, okay. Uh, you just need Wi-Fi. I don't, don't quote. I, I might be lying. I don't think you need a subscription. I think you just need an account, kind of like how Apple TV did baseball. You didn't have to buy Apple TV. You just needed a login. Okay. I don't know if you were aware of that. No. no. Yeah. I can watch any on Apple TV. I watch a couple games. Broadcasts aren't great. <laughs> so Pitt's on at 7.30 on Saturday. ESPN. At Western you. Michigan. Yes. And then Steelers on at 1 o'clock at home against the Patriots. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be one of the more talked about games this week. Kind of like the Bengals were. But... Great weekend of football. Let's do it again. And that ultimately brings us into our weekly hypothetical. I'm coming in on this blind. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot this was my... Brian even asked if I wanted to know before the episode, like, as we were starting to record. So I wouldn't have even had the opportunity to think about it. I said, nope. I want this to be completely organic. But I'm hoping, if I don't feel a certain way about it, that Brian feels a certain way about it, could just jump right into it. Uh, yeah, I can do that. But my only concern with this is it going to be too easy. I hope that's not the case. It, it, either way, it should be thought-provoking, which okay. is all I really wanted out of it. Um, so the weekly hypothetical this week is, would you rather be an extremely famous person in the past? We'll go pre-1900. You could say like George Washington... Andrew Carnegie, the richest person you can think of, the most well-known person of of that era, mm-hmm. living as them then, or would you rather be you right now? So, you think it's easy? Yeah, I do think it's easy. Go ahead. I have... Do you want to know my initial reaction? Do you want me to go first? Or you'd like to... There are... We might as well go with mine, because it's going to be the most organic, okay. because you already knew what it yeah. was going to be. There are always there have been people in my life. I, I think my mom's even said this a few times where they were like, "I was born in the wrong decade." Um, I, there there are some things from old times I would love to be a part of. I have never ever ever felt that way. I fought that way actually. I have never felt that way. Uh, you know when I'm standing at like concerts and I'm like, "Oh, this they didn't do this a hundred yeah. years ago," or I'm at you know a movie theater. They yeah. didn't have things like that hundred right. years ago, or I'm just driving my car in air condition. Anything I do, even the boring, normal things in my everyday life, I think to myself, I am living exactly in the right time when I should have. I would not want to have none of the modern technologies. Um, I love the internet. I love social media. I'm always on Twitter. I love fantasy football. I love betting on football. I love how interactive sports are. 
Um, I like replays. Anything to do with modern technologies and modern times. Sign you up. I am so into... I would never go back in time. Okay. So the pros to choosing the other side would be, like, if you're Andrew Carnegie, you just have... Or let's, like, say Rockefeller. You just have wealth upon wealth. You can do... At that era, having money, you can literally do anything you want. Yeah. You can build the biggest house you want, own whatever you want. Everyone knew you. You were the literally the talk of the town. There's towns named after you. You could do anything. And you also didn't spend money because it seemed like well, those types of people that had that reputation, they'd walk into a, a restaurant and their dinner was comped. They yeah. had the best seat. You're still, still mm-hmm. hearing about generational wealth to their offspring to these days because of how much money they had at the time comparatively right so even if they did spend it it was a drop in the bucket yeah yeah so the cons are you're living in those times you as you mentioned none of the technologies you are the death rate was or death age was a lot earlier you're you may have had the grandest houses but like were, I don't know the years when these guys were around. Were cars around? Maybe, maybe just the beginning. Just you're living without so many products that you have today that made life so much easier. So while you had all this wealth, what were you really doing with it? I mean, you could have all the wealth in the world back then. You couldn't buy an iPhone. Right. Well, could yeah. you, do, you got to like travel across the country with that wealth. Yeah. Right. Yeah, literally. That was what you could do. So what time? I think the obvious side is you're you today. Yeah. You're living without... Any of the notoriety, but all of the amenities. Yeah, I just, there are too many modern technologies today that there's no way I could give up. I do think there's something to be said, like living in like the 50s or 60s, that it was just a simpler time. Yeah, and there was still, you know, when we talked about being in the Harry Potter world or the Game of Thrones world, like Game of Thrones, you're... You're pooping outside. Yeah, I was going to mention outhouses. You, know, you don't have yeah. electricity or things like that. At least in like the 50s or 60s when you were the richest, there were some modern things that you could spend your money okay, on. Okay, so I said pre-1900. What decade would you be willing to go back to? To have like generational yeah. wealth? Pre-50s? It would have to be when the air travel was common. So... That's probably like common or recognized. That air travel was safe. Okay. You, know, you went up in the air not thinking this could be my last time. I, what is that? Air. Maybe 70s? I'm not entirely sure. I have no idea. So we'll go with 70s. So you're comfortable going because 50 years that's back. ultimately what I would use a lot of that wealth for is traveling to my different houses across different countries. And if I can't do that by plane, it's not worth it to me. You didn't want to be Andrew Carnegie with generational wealth to use it to take a steamboat over right. to Europe. No, even if it's my own steamboat. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Probably was his own steamboat. Yeah, that's what I mean. You were using your wealth literally to like get country to country at that time. Now, I do think it's thought-provoking because there are a lot of people who really don't take advantage of the modern technologies of today. Or they don't do as many things with, you know, modernized yeah, and, you and could, they might as well have had that generational wealth. I mean, you could say the technologies have almost made that the case because I can watch a game from my TV. I can bet on sports from my phone. Like, I don't have to go anywhere to do the things I would want to do. Whereas even 10 years ago, well, not with watching games on TV, but 
it used to be when our parents were growing up, there was one game on TV every week, one baseball game on Sunday or something like that. Well, I was even thinking, and it's funny you mentioned this weekly hypothetical this week, is, you know, we're saying, would you want it back then? There are certain aspects of that life I wouldn't want right now. And that popped into my head when I was watching all that stuff about the Queen. Yeah. Oh, that's she, this is very she timely. She lived an extremely different life, almost a sheltered life. I mean... We are going to go to a softball game tonight, and my wife and I earlier went to a restaurant, and we just did those things spontaneously. Yeah. I mean, I I believe, you know, I don't know much about the Queen, but I can't imagine she did anything in her entire life that wasn't planned out that, you know, on a schedule. Nuts. Or had to have people with her, or, I mean... Just anything she had to do had to have so many people around her. Not since she became the queen, which was 70 years ago. So, and I think tangent, this is a tangent of what we're talking about here, but seeing stuff that happened when she was just, she had just become the queen 70 years ago, like so much has changed for us to, if we're choosing to live our lives now, then from what would that have been? 1952. It's crazy. The technologies that have advanced. But to go back to your point, yeah, there's, it's almost incomprehensible to describe the life she lived compared to just a common person. I mean, she had unlimited resources, but in my opinion, there's a potential that you and I both live fuller lives because the experiences she experienced were not just planned out, but She's not going to a bar and having fun with her friends. No. She's going to a coronation ball and eating with six different forks. You know, like, just so many different things about that lifestyle. It's, it's completely structured. Right. There's no room for freedom or just to be normal. You're living where they, Buckingham Palace, I believe, that's your life. Yeah, even beyond her, you see how unhappy some of these celebrities are. Even yeah. today, you know, bouncing from relationship to relationship, they can't seem to be happy enough just to live a regular life. You wonder if at any point in time that rich generational wealth is ever worth it. Yeah, that goes along with the, uh, does money buy happiness? Like, she had all the money in the world and could literally do anything she wanted as the queen, but... You're living a completely structured life with just with this is what you're doing from day to day. Not you can't hardly do anything outside of it. And I think the easiest hypothetical is: Would you rather be rich or famous? In any world, I'd rather be rich. Yeah. Instead of famous, oh, I would never want an to be anonymous famous. rich life would be incredible. So maybe it was a little easy. It was a little easy, but I it worst I thought it would. Uh, Anytime you throw like a ton of money. Into the question, though, I mean, we're talking Rockefeller, guys like that literally own the world. Yeah. They, I mean, they set the prices, I, they set wages, they they own the world. I've seen, I don't know off the top of my head, but I've seen like his wealth then compared to what it would have been today. And it's just billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. But as we discussed at that time, what could you do with it? Yeah. Now, potentially... In this hypothetical, if you traded it, would you know of the modern 
times. So let's, it's not like, like you know going, what you're missing out on. Yeah. Like, am I going back in time or am I just ending up there and never really knew of this life? I would say that is the case. Never knew of this life. Yeah, it's just your living as that person. Well, then in that case, I probably feel as if anything is at my fingertips because I don't know all the things I'm missing out on. True. A hundred years from now. Yeah, but you have that, you know that going into the decision, obviously. But yeah, you would just be appearing there and be like, oh, I'm the king of the castle. So there's obviously something to be said for knowing that anything is at, the tips of your fingers. Yeah. And that's why I didn't want to limit it to just rich either, because some people would say, like, I'd love to be like George Washington, a founding father of the country that everyone like, would want to know. be known. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, everyone would know of and you. And there's an aspect of that. Well, there's a huge aspect of that now. It's you know, if you have X amount of followers, yeah, that's you're more important than someone with X amount of dollars. Definitely. And you the X amount of dollars come from the X amount of followers at this point. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's why I didn't really want to put a cap on it. But I figured at worst it would uh, it it'd just be a good discussion. Igas and potentially were two of those people who feel like we were born in the right era. But those people who wanted to live in past eras anyway, why not be generationally wealthy? Well, definitely. There's definitely some aspects to that of other eras I would enjoy today. But generally speaking, yeah, me now is, is much better than going into the outhouse for... Or, yeah. like, going to kill my dinner. Whatever era I'm in. <laughs> well, but you're not. Someone else is. Oh, that's true. Have, yeah, that's. I guess that's a good point. Yeah. You're not even cooking your dinner. No, I'm living well, in Well, you're my, not cooking your dinner now. I'm living in my mansion. Someone's <laughs> cooking my dinner. But I can't really do anything with my money. My hypothetical that I think we have time to touch on, because we have a little bit of time, and it's timely and quick... Two hypotheticals in one week. So, it's going to be quick, and it's just because I know we have some listeners who watch these shows. We are going to have a clash of reality TV coming up where Big Brother, The Challenge, now it's a different version of The Challenge, but we'll just call it The Challenge, Survivor, and Amazing Race are sort of all coming together on Wednesday nights, CBS. The ultimate night of reality TV. And we've often discussed which one we would like to be on so is that gonna be your question for those who don't know yeah survivor is 39 days well not anymore but we'll say the 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 39 day version with limited resources with a prize of a million dollars big brother is about 100 days uh all you know they feed them they're inside but it's incredibly boring and it's 100 days for the whole summer and there's cameras watching you 24 7 the challenge is sort of like more physical Olympic type um, physical feat that you're competing against your other contestants. Yeah, the living is just a little less strategic. You're living in a very nice place, but yeah. it's the competitions are all physical. Yeah, it's more about the physicality yeah. in the challenge. And amazing race, for those who don't know, you're traveling different legs around the world, and then the next leg starts. Uh, based on how you finish the one before and you're you're completing different tasks and puzzles in these different countries right so quickly and not necessarily quickly because we have some time which one and the reason we're talking about it is the challenge usa is finishing up this wednesday big brother is finishing up soon and then survivor amazing race i think are starting next week and then the week after okay so they're all kind of coming together yeah this is the big cbs gauntlet of shows so which show would you most like to be on and why? I think this is pretty easy. Okay. 
and we have had this discussion before, so I had, I'm not thinking of this off the top of my head. I think that the top choice is Amazing Race. Um, you get to travel the country or the world. Um, obviously, it's timed. You're not like you're not seeing all the sights in all the cities, but you're at least doing it. It's sort of physically demanding, but not completely physically demanding. And the living conditions are not an island. So I think you're taking out all of the worst things in the other ones and you still get like a big prize while having some cool things along the way. With this being the biggest problem about the Amazing Race. Okay. Sometimes it's out of your hand. It's the most that's out of your hand. So one small thing like a taxi driver not knowing directions or speaking English or running out of gas and you're out in the first episode. Yeah. I think it's the most likely for you to have... A fluke happened where you're out early enough that you felt like you were never even on the show. True. And I, it's been several years since I watched. I know my biggest gripe with the show had always been um, you could be in the lead, but you're all ending up on the same plane. And in waiting for that, everyone catches up to you. So I think it's the hardest to gain like a big advantage in. Mm-hmm. But I think I would be the most adept to these competitions. And I don't hate the unknown of like oh, maybe my taxi driver isn't going to get me to the place I need to. Maybe traffic will stop me. But the same could happen to somebody else. Yeah. Mine used to be Survivor. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's sort of gotten watered down over the years. I've also realized I'm not very good at being hungry. Yeah, I would... I get kind of cranky. I would not make it with how little food they have. I do think the winner of Survivor is the most respected out of all these, so there's a definitely aspect. Of I think that. it's the most respected show of the four. I'm between Survivor and Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right off the bat, the least is Big Brother. Okay, I was gonna, I was you're, gonna go on a tangent. About you're gonna this go too. with because it's super boring. Yeah, I think, and you know, I'm not gonna get political, but there's no one in the world that can be on TV anymore, twenty four seven, and not say something that's incorrect. That then essentially ruins their life after the show. Yeah, that was not that the route I was going to go with this, but that I is. I can't a, be on camera. I, I think I'm a good person, but I can't be on camera twenty four seven in front of America. That's a very major flaw with that show currently, and I don't think it should be. I don't know how many people actually watch those constant live streams, even at all. That's the problem with social media. You only need one person to right. see the clip. They, that should not even be an option anymore because yeah. nothing good comes out of it. My thing with that show, I feel more strongly about this being number four out of four on my list than I do of Amazing Race being number one. I can't even fathom the idea of being in not that big of a house for 100 days with no access to the outside world, just nothing going on except the social game between the other you and the other contestants. That just blows my mind of what I would do for that long of a period of time, yeah. just sitting in the same house. I can't imagine what these people do on these live streams. You probably are sleeping the entire time. What else is there to do? Yeah, I mean, they're not allowed. Like, they keep them awake during the day. Oh, okay. Before the live I did stream. not realize that. But yeah, you're exactly right. Um, it seems like the most boring. At one point in time, boring. like... The big thing to do was like play chess. Like they had yeah, a chess they board. Still do. Okay, that was like, that's like having like an Xbox in there. I can't even yeah. imagine that. 
being the case. And like, I know some of the prizes or I don't know what you want to call it. If you win a competition, you like get to watch a, a movie, an unreleased movie. That's like winning the lottery in there. <laughs> yeah. It's also only a $750,000 prize. That, that makes it even worse. Amazing race is a million. The challenge is like 200,000 survivors, a million. As much as Survivor has become a little watered down, only 26 days, and it doesn't have quite the... I mean, you used to be a rock star if you were on that. Colby and Tina from Season 2 were absolute rock stars. I still think being part of that Survivor family and cast intrigues me so much that I would still pick Survivor. You always hear after the seasons and just from past seasons of how close those people are, mainly because you're spending... A month on an island with them. It, the same almost social game as Big Brother. A little more to do, but you're just talking to them. But the, they end up just become, becoming and staying very good friends over the course of time because of the experience they went through. It's so unique to what anyone else has really done. Yeah, and it is truly that unique experience that I think I'd still pick Survivor. Yeah, I do think it would be a little easier to play today than the Tinas and them back in the day because it doesn't seem as physically demanding as it once was. Uh, although they are slowly working their way back to less and less food. But that would probably be second on my list. Yeah. So mine would be Survivor, um, Amazing Race, Big Brother, The Challenge. I just have oh. no desire to be on The Challenge. Oh, mine would be Amazing Race, Survivor, probably mainly because of the experience. I would hate it being out there for that long. Yeah. The Challenge, a million other shows. Big brother. Yeah. So. All right. Well, there's our second weekly hypothetical. Yeah. Just because I know a lot of people that listen to us watch those shows. So We touched on a lot of topics today. Yeah. So that's going to be it for us. Remember, you can find all of our Pittsburgh sports talk at goldlotpgh.com. You can listen to this podcast, Safe by the Ball, at iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. You can follow myself on Twitter at Antonio underscore 7793 or my co-host Brian at btorsha24. And that was saved by the ball. Thanks, guys.